Well, good morning, everybody. Wow, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today, wouldn't you agree? I believe that God is here, that he has been speaking to us and he wants to continue to speak to us. We believe this to be true. As we meet together today, in a few moments, we'll be celebrating communion. Those of, us, those of you who are joining us online, you may want to make sure that you have some grape juice. If you don't have grape juice, juice will do, any kind of juice, and a piece of bread or a cracker or something like that. If you have that ready, um, in a few moments, about 20 minutes, depending how long when did I get, we'll get to communion in just a little bit. So if, if you could be ready online, that would be, that would be just wonderful. For those of us here, I'm just going to feel a little bit like an airline stewardess at this time. Those of you who are up at the top there, you'll be receiving your communion from our usher, Rob. He's upstairs in a few moments. You'll be receiving it up there. Give a wave to Rob over here. There we go. And in here, in the, in the house, I'm going to ask those like Daryl uh, Kennedy and you guys forward, you're going to come out and go to the center. Everybody's going to the center aisle down here, okay? Okay. If this doesn't work, it's okay. Just find communion somewhere. We've got communion here and at the back and upstairs. I'm going to ask you to come to the center. You're going to follow the light. No, there's no lights. You're going to follow the front. And we will serve you communion at the front, those of you who are here. Also, so John and Rita, you'll be coming to the front. Those that are behind those individuals, you're going to come out to the center aisle. And you're going to go to the back. Where you'll exit the plane at the back. <clears throat> now, I encourage you that if you will, if you'll take the elements, you can take them if you wish, or you can wait. You can bring them around back into your pew, so you're going to go back up that way, and you're going to return on the outside back into your lane, into your aisle, into your pew, and then we'll take communion together, if I, rem- if I remember. So that would be, that's what our plan will be, okay? So um, I think that's hopefully pretty clear. I I don't know what the time difference does to you, but it totally screws up my head. I'm, like if you ask my wife, I'm up early in the morning, I can't seem to go back to bed, Um, I can't sleep, so I get out of bed. There was one morning this week, it was like four o'clock, I just couldn't sleep anymore and got up. And part of that time, there's few of you, (laughs) crazy like me, I, uh, I found myself praying for you. And then, again, this morning was an early morning for me. I, I got out of bed, and I was just... Before I went to bed, I, I make it a habit Saturday nights just to be reading through my notes as I get ready for the day today, because today is a pretty important day. If the pastor's going to be on, today's the day. <laughs> Part of being on is not that I'm on my game, but that God is on his, and we are in sync. The Holy Spirit is working through that, even to the point where there's things that I say... I'm not sure why I say them, but the Holy Spirit uses that and speaks to your heart and penetrates and pierces your heart. I believe that to be true. So this morning, I was thinking, and there's, I added a few things, and I took out some things, because I thought, you know, this is where we needed to go. Um, so in a few moments, we can do that. But you, I need to tell you that I didn't finish my sermon. And the reason I didn't finish it is because you are going to participate I'm going to ask you this morning, I want you to be thinking about this before we get there, so then you'll be prepared, because all of us want to be prepared when we're supposed to preach. Preach, pray, or die is what we were told when we were ordained. (laughs) So I want you to be prepared. 
I'd like for you to be thinking about if you were at a memorial service and we were memorializing or we were talking about Jesus, what would you be able to tell the others in the room about your friend? What is it about Jesus that means something to you? And if you had enough warning, I was thinking of giving you a warning, but then, nah. Um, What would you bring with you today as a reminder of your special friend? Maybe if it was a university student that died, maybe you would bring a special jacket or you would remember, you know, something special that you did together. But if, if you could think of maybe an item or you could think about a testimony of what, what it is, why is Jesus important to you today? Why is he an important friend to you? We've been singing about that this morning. And we've been singing about God the Father. We've been speaking about the importance, that the fact that God saves And those can be easy words that come in and go out and we get up and we run around and we dance and we clap. But the word that we're going to hear this morning is powerful. And the words to the disciples when they heard it, they would have been slightly confused when they heard it. Because they were taking taking the, the Passover meal and it was part of that meal and Jesus interjects this part about himself. So it's interesting. So... I didn't do my part, all of my sermon, because I I wouldn't know what to say for you. What is your testimony? What is it you say about your friend? So in a minute, I'm going to ask you just where you are, where you are. Online, if you want to text, that would be great, or you want to do that in the chat, that'd be great. What does Jesus mean to you? Okay, so you ready for that? Buckle up passage of scripture we're looking at is a familiar one. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26. And really the title of it is so you don't forget. This is here so that you, you don't forget. The importance of who Jesus is, but also what you've done to cause Jesus to have gone to the cross. Those are two pieces that we're going to talk about this morning, so you don't forget. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26. For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, this is your word. It can just be black ink on a page unless your Holy Spirit comes and blows upon it and blows into our hearts, softening our hearts to receive the word that you have for us today. Many of us in this room would have read this dozens of times, but there's something for us here today, and I pray that it would jump off the page into our hearts and then help us to live it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have all kinds of things that we remember. Some of them are for good reasons, and others of them are for reasons that we would like to forget. They're for things that have changed our lives forever. Like we remember things like birthdays, anniversaries, deaths. Sometimes the deaths come from missed anniversaries. Sometimes we remember because it's a motivator to go beyond what we normally would do. 
Like we remember the last time we played that team and they beat us so bad that this time when we go into their house, when they come into our house, we're going to beat them, we're going to beat them good. We remember what it felt like when that happens. We're going to remember to win this one for Tommy. Lord's Supper is a call to remembrance. Some, some things we are never to forget. Jesus, when he's with his disciples, the special meal, he's telling them, don't forget. Of all the things that you do in this world, and the ones that come behind you, never forget. I want you to remember it like it's, it, it is embrazened on your brain. What are we to remember? What are we not to forget? We're not to forget our Savior's final words. The Lord's Supper is a meal that we received. Just as we take the elements and receive them into our bodies, we have taken Jesus Christ and we receive them into our lives. The good things about Jesus, the way he lived, the person that he was. And then when he went back to the Father, he said what? I will send you my, the Comforter, I will send the Holy Spirit to come and to help guide you and to help you to move into the future, to, to, to live your life. So we take the elements, we receive again, afresh and anew, this, this means of grace of his body and his blood that empower us to be who we are. It's more than a meal, it's a, it's a memorial. When we share the bread and the cup, we have not only the responsibility of receiving, but also remembering. So when you take that bread, the cracker, and you chomp on it today, you feel it in your mouth, and then you taste the juice, you remember what Christ has done for you. It's our responsibility of receiving, but also remembering. On the night before Jesus was killed, he gathered with his disciples for a final meal together. It'd be the last time that they would be together before he was hauled away by the Jewish and Roman authorities to be crucified. And around that table, the shared Passover meal with his closest friends, Jesus, he takes the bread, he gives thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the Apostle Paul's record of that, when he writes to the Corinthians, the first letter, he says, in remembrance of me. He says it twice. The word remembrance means more than just recalling something or someone from the past. To remember is to make it vivid, to make it real, to recall and make contemporary the reality of the deed. In this case, it is remembering of Jesus' words, his life, his deeds, and death that brings life to us. This may be controversial, and I'm sorry if it is. I got your attention. Any hunters here? Hands up. A few of you, okay. Some, some reluctant to put their hands up. I don't know whether you've ever sat around in the hunting camp listening to hunters tell their story. But they love telling the story of the, the buck that they got, and they love telling you the story of the buck that they don't have. They love telling the story. And Jesus 
is coming to his disciples and he's saying, of all the things that you can let drift off the table, here's one thing I don't want to see you forget. And he tells the story through this Passover meal, which we're going to talk about in a moment. He says, don't forget. I want you to remember. It's to make it real. It's to make it, it's to make it vivid. When you see those hunters, some of them are down on four, all fours, and they got their hands up there like antlers, and they're running around. They're reliving the moment. <clears throat> Here this morning, those of you, you who are joining us, we are making that moment come alive again this morning to remember, lest we forget. It's remembering Jesus' words. It's remembering his life. It's remembering his deeds and death that brings life to us. Because of Jesus, we're redeemed. We are bought back. We were redeemed. We are redeemed. And we shall be redeemed when he returns. Lord's Supper commemorates that fact. Quick history lesson. You go back to the book of Genesis. It starts right at the beginning. The moment was foretold in the book of Genesis where God says to the seed of the woman that the seed of the woman would be crushed by the head of the serpent, that he would, he would crush the head of the serpent. That this Jesus would come and take care of Satan once and for all. And then you move further along and then there's the Passover meal with the children of Israel where they would celebrate, celebrate before they exited Egypt when the death angel comes and passed over the homes that, and the death angel will pass over the homes that had the blood of the lamb put around its doorposts. The blood over the, lamb, blood over the door placed a covering over the home so that death would not enter. Are you remembering all of this? Remember when Jesus came into the world, it, the announcement of that came from the angels who said, for tonight is born unto you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He would be the destined one all the way from Genesis, all the way through the children of Israel, raged straight up through the prophets foretold it, Hundreds of years before he came, the angels proclaimed it in Luke. And then 30 years later, Jesus is walking out into the wilderness where John the Baptist is baptizing. John looks up from the work that he's doing as he's baptizing individuals out there. And he looks over into the distance, and as the figure gets closer, he says about his cousin... Behold, the Lamb of God who saves, who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It is no accident that all of these things, from Genesis all the way through to Revelation, is God's revealing of himself through his son Jesus, and he tells us not to forget but to remember. We're not to forget our Savior's final words. We're not to forget a memento from a, a cherished friend. Get ready. Are you ready? It's to aid our memory. 
Jesus chose two symbols necessary for life itself as constant reminders for us. It would be bread and it would be wine. The simplest of elements, when they're associated with the greatest friend and savior we'll ever know, they become powerful mementos of who Jesus was. And when we smell bread being baked again, we would never, we would smell it with a new smell. We saw that wine, that juice being poured, we would, we would look on that with different eyes. They stir up this emotion, these memories in our hearts, just like we would find as we look through a photograph album and we could see the pictures of Jesus as he, as he healed the blind man. As he, he touched the lepers, as he, as he spoke with the woman at the well. These pictures. Do any of you have any letters in a special spot at home? How many of you have a letter somewhere? Cool. I got a lot of letters from Julie when I was down at college. Unfortunately, none of them survived. I have no idea where they are today. I don't think. You don't have them, do you? You have all of mine. You have all of mine, though, right? That's right. Whew. Good. Perfect. <clears throat> the other day, I was looking through, looking through the top drawer in, in, uh, in the bedroom and noticed in there was a letter that was written by one of our daughters on the day that she was married. And it was a letter to dad. I looked through that again. I got bawling my eyes out. Why do we do stuff like that? Jeepers. Kind of sappy. We do it because it is a reminder of what that person means to us when they wrote from their heart about us. Like a worn out, like a worn, well-read letter. This is to be a reminder as you read through this again of how much Jesus means to you. So my friends, as you come to the table in a few moments, what would you want to say to Jesus? What would be a word? If you could just hold up something as a memento, as a reminder of who Jesus is to you. See, you're helping me with my sermon this morning. Because it's, it's more about you than it is about me. But as you come to the table this morning, you take these elements, what would you want to say to some of the people this, this morning to testify to how much it is that Jesus means to you? I'm just going to go online and see if they have anything to say. Talk amongst yourselves. No. What, what, would, be some of the, what would be some of the things that you would say about your Savior. I'm listening. Thank you. Thank him for forgiving you. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Love. Closer than, a brother, closer than a brother and a friend that is always supports. Understanding. 
Sorry? Always there? Always faithful? Your best friend? So brave. Safe. Safe. Yeah. Acceptance. I think often in life we wait too long to say those words. I think often in life it's at the funeral of somebody that we give them tribute. I think we have the opportunity this morning as we wait in line, whichever line you take, as you wait in line to receive this wonderful gift from God, to tell him what he means to you. I think that there's often times in couples that have been married for 50 years, and maybe the reason they got to 50 years was because they actually did tell one another how much they mean to each other. But often we wait too long to say those words, and so it's important for you. Boy, I I love this morning, uh, Debbie, what what you have said. Um, She said, I I would bring an anchor. I haven't read all this, so hopefully it's all good. I, I would bring an anchor for all the guidance, teaching, stability, security. The anchor goes under the water. It's not seen but it is still there even in stormy waters. Isn't that awesome? He rescued me when I was lost, says Jennifer. Jean says, faithful, caring, and loving. Jesus, you are worth so much more than what we've even described this morning. Thank you for all of the good gifts that you've given us and provided for us in coming to this world. So don't, don't forget. This is something you don't forget. Remember these mementos. The third thing is not to forget a deed that saved us. It's a tr- it is tragic when a believer loses the wonder of what it means to be redeemed, what it means to be bought back. Because we were lost, Right? Remember that back in, the, back, in the New Te- back in the Old Testament in Genesis? We were lost. And we're always lost until Jesus came. We have no way back to the Father except what Jesus has done. It's tragic when we lose the wonder of what it means to be redeemed. It just becomes another day. It's like we take it for granted like sometimes we take for granted the people that we love the most and the ones that are right in our homes. We take them for granted. It's tragic. It's even more sad when a believer forgets the Redeemer, the one who paid the price to free us. It's like he came and paid the bail, and we're out now living scot-free. We don't go back to thank him. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones once defined a Christian as a person who is amazed at the fact that he's forgiven and he doesn't take it for granted. One reason that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper is to remind us of the price that he paid to save us. Not to rub our nose in it. 
you need to remember this. No, because he knew that it would be good for us to remember it. Not lose touch of what he's done. He had taken the wounds of Calvary to heaven with him, perhaps to remind us forever that he has died in our place. He never wants us to forget the sacrifice. Not for his sake, but for ours. And when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, it was his way of saying, never forget what has been done for you on the cross. Never forget the pain, the suffering, and the sacrifice. Through the broken bread, who reminds us of his body, it was broken to remind us of our hunger for salvation. There's people in the world right now who are hungry. Maybe more so now, spiritually, and they're looking all over the place for that. And the message of Christianity and the hope of Christianity is through Jesus Christ that their hunger can be filled, that the vacancy in their heart can be filled. And through the poured wine, he reminds of his blood that was spilled out to meet our thirst for life. Through his blood, Jesus erased our sin to be, to be forgotten forever. Through Jesus' broken body and spilled blood, he became the perfect sacrifice. He atoned for our sin. He redeemed us for all of eternity. Fourth thing is we're not to forget our response to a great invitation. When we recall what Jesus did for us, there can only be one response. When we understand his love, all we can do is to give our lives to him. To take you back to that upper room where Jesus shared his last meal with the disciples, sharing a meal with his friends was a commonplace. They would do this regularly. This wasn't just a kind of a one-off. They would do this regularly. And as Jewish men, sharing the Passover meal was as familiar as families today sharing a Thanksgiving dinner together, just that it was more regular. The Passover was a call to remembrance, remembering God's deliverance of the Jewish people from Egyptian bondage. And on that night when Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant established by my blood, it is shed for you, something highly uncommon was done. On the night of the Last Supper, Jesus and the disciples sat down together. They were celebrating the Passover meal. The disciples knew the liturgy very well. They could, have, they could have said it themselves. And when it came time to drink the third cup of wine, the cup of redemption, Jesus lifted the cup, as the disciples would expect, and, at the, and offered it in a traditional Seder thanks. And the same words are used today. Blessed are you, Lord of our God, Lord our God, King of the universe, for giving us the fruit of the vine. And then he offered that cup to them, but said something they probably didn't expect. This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which I offer to you. Many meanings that are given to what he said and what he meant by that from the original language. But most likely it is, I love you. When we come to celebrate the Lord's Supper, we must be mindful of Jesus' offer. And he still says, as you receive this, that I love you. I couldn't have loved you more. I can't love you more, and I can't love you any less. He proved the extent of his love by dying on a cross for our sins, and he says to you, I offer you my life. Will you be mine? 
the taking of the cup is a solemn moment. It's a sentimental memento. It's in that moment that one looks at the Heavenly Father and says, yes, I accept your offer. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I thank you that you have forgiven me of my sin. I take that offer so that I can be at one with you again. Some questions for us. Some may be new to church. Maybe you're new to our church. Maybe you're visiting with us this morning. Before, wherever you have been, have you taken communion before? Have you, have you taken the cup? Have you received Jesus in your heart? Have you said yes to Jesus? Have you acknowledged that you are far from God because of your sin, that sin separates you because of what Jesus did on the cross? You can be accepted. Have you accepted Jesus' offer of him dying on the cross for you? Have you done that? And have you desired to live your life for him? Have you given your life in response? Or do you continue to go your way? And it's just another thing that we do. And it really makes no difference inside. But have you given your life in response? Next questions. Do you remember when you did that? Was there a day? Was there a time? Is it as vivid in your mind today as the day you prayed to invite Jesus into your heart? Or over the course of time, has your life kind of waned a bit? Has your desire for him kind of drifted? Today would be a great day just to sort of get back in step, get back in sync with who God is, what Jesus has done for you. Do you still remember? Do you still remember what was happening in your heart when you said yes to Jesus? When coming to the table, we remember sentences that embody a life. Some of those words we talked about this morning, faithful, safe, accepting. Symbols dripping with meaning, an overwhelming sacrifice, our response of gratitude. Some things we need not forget. Today is a time to not forget what we have done. I, I want for us to recall those moments of poor judgment, those things that we said in haste, the anger that's been in our hearts, the lust that has been in our hearts, the pursuing after other things, other idols, and reading through the book of Ezekiel and just reading of the people and how obstinate and how they were pursuing everything else around them and not God. And God so desired through the prophet Elijah to call them home. It's time to remember our poor judgment, our sin, our waywardness, and to remember the life that was taken. His life was taken. And our part in that it was because of your sin and my sin that put him on the cross. How easy it is for us to think that that was back then and we just sort of isolate it. But it was your sin and my sin that put him on the cross. There's nothing more tragic and horrible than an innocent man killed by an unruly mob. Sometimes it loses its impact. My dear friends, we are called to remember 
that it was us that took the life of Christ. It was you, and it was me. It was our sin that nailed him to the cross. He was an innocent victim. He did not deserve to die. We did in his place. But he took our place. And so that we will never forget, we gather at the table to remember him. We taste the bread and we sip from the cup to recall the life that was taken, the sacrifice that was made. And our part in the tragedy of the story. Some things we need not forget. Our sin, but greater still, this, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who's forgiven us of our sin. We don't stay in that sinfulness, but we acknowledge that he has come to save us. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what this means to us this morning. Thank you that you're here in this place. That indeed, I believe you've taken the words off the page and you've imprinted them in our hearts and in our minds. And the call of Jesus to his disciples and to us down through the generations that we would never forget, but to do this in remembrance of me would be something that we would remember this morning. So Father God, I pray now that in a few moments as we partake in, the, in uh, this precious part of our service and communion, that you would be through all of that and in all of that. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.